It is the 11 Dubcast. I'm Johnny. He's Andy. We're, we're getting closer. We are inching our way. I know I've been saying this for the past six months, but we are inching our way finally to football. And I don't know. Here's, you know, we've got some good news. We're going to talk about that, and we'll get into how the football team's kind of prepping and progressing. But before we get into that, and we'll discuss this, I guess, a little bit in more detail but i just i just want to ask you very briefly andy are you feeling jealousy as you watch some of these these football games being played on the weekends yeah this weekend was the first time when it really hit me how far away from football we still are as ohio state fans yeah it's like three and a half weeks watching miami kick the teeth out of fsu uh i'm sitting there saturday night thinking i've got like four more weekends of this yeah. <laughs> before there's a game I really truly deeply care about. What, yeah. what am I going to do for the next month? Uh, you know, it was great watching some college football. Uh, I'll, I'll grant you that. That was that that was nice and cool and novel. And it just hit me. I'm like, oh, we still have yeah four more weeks. We we basically have most of the month of October of watching other other teams play meaningful football before teams that we really truly care about come back uh but you know with the news that ohio state will will play the big nooner uh on the 24th yeah we're i guess we're really three saturdays removed yeah three saturdays without buckeye football so maybe when i put it that way it's less bad than when i think god it's the whole month of october (laughs) yeah big big nude saturday will be coming back and ohio state will be featured and i thought for you know for a second that maybe ohio state would be a Friday game or something like that. Just, get, but it, it obviously makes a lot more sense for them to be the featured team um, on that Saturday because the ratings that they got last season were hilariously high. I mean, yeah, they, sure. I mean, even the most garbage ass teams that they were playing all season just were destroying it in the ratings. So that is a clear winner for Fox, and they're they're definitely going to pump Ohio State up uh, in that slot. Um, I'm excited. You know, I think. As this progresses, as we see, uh, you know, sometimes teams fall by the wayside, and, and we'll get into that a little bit as well. But as we see teams kind of fall by the wayside, players are going to start opting out. And it's, it's refreshing and fun and nice to see that we have confirmation that Sean Wade, Wyatt Davis are both cleared to play, no problems. I mean, there was some discussion about whether or not, like, Wyatt Davis, for example, you know, what he was dealing with, with, uh, you know, agent or whatever how it was going to work out um but clearly there's no you know issue there and everybody's being kind of flexible with the obviously unique situation so that's fun that's cool i'm excited about that i just like you know honestly it's not just about sean wade and wyatt davis i just like reading dan hope's reports about how practice are going and and you know notes that ryan day to say it just it it makes you feel like football it makes it feel like it's actually real and and happening um (laughs) the quotes themselves are just nothing (laughs) but i but the the fact that they exist right really gives me a lot of comfort when for example um uh you know ryan day saying like he and master referring to marcus crowley and and recovering from the ACL, they've worked really hard to get back on the field uh, you know, it was kind of raining sideways. What that? Who cares? None of that information <laughs> does anything for me as a fan. He's working really hard. They're just going to go out there. He's talking about Nebraska. I love that. I actually saw or heard a quote from Ryan Day about Nebraska about a week ago. Yeah, they're a big physical team. You know, we got to like play hard and buckle down. I'm like, what are you talking about, dude? Like, no one cares. But just the fact that those crazy BS uh, nothing quotes exist. It just it, it makes me feel happy inside. You didn't realize how much you had missed coach speak until I know you have it I, in your exactly, life. Exactly. I, I I you know I thought it'd be like oh god I can't believe it. No, I'm I'm happy that I get to hear complete nothingness come out of coaches' mouths right now. <laughs> so that I'm cool with it. You know the, the 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 antidote to all that, of course, is is following a uh, fellow student of history, Mike Leach, on on the Twitter because you know usually within. 45 minutes of <laughs> a ball game leach is going to have tweeted some uh 
hilarious meme in this yeah. this week's case it was something about uh taking the sucking the spice out of pumpkins and yeah it was really twice funny. before your latte yeah it was really funny but i'm like dudes dude dude is barely out of the locker room after the game after uh getting a big win and over a vaunted sec defense where he broke what two or three passing records like conference yeah. passing records in his first game as a coach in the conference and uh, my dude's on twitter you know just i enjoy it i like the fact that mike leach kind of views football as an impediment to uh tweeting and and (laughs) you know what i mean he's like okay well we're gonna go out and i've got this system and i've been running this system for like 30 years and this is basically who i am at this point that's all taken care of that's not but i really got to get into these really spicy memes right now because that's that's what sustains me as an individual and and i know that reasonable people can have differing uh, opinions about the quality of mike leach as either a human being or as a head football sure. coach at a p5 program but i have to admit that as a character you know not a real person but as a character <laughs> as in, a fictional in, in the in the telenovela that is college football there was a time where i was like if we get Mike Leach and Les Miles uh, in the Big Ten at the same time, it, it might be the funniest you know thing ever because as it is, you've got a bunch of unentertaining people like Kirk Ferentz, yeah. right? I mean, you've got the super earnest uh, row the boat types. You you you've got uh, you know your your Ohio State, Penn State, you know very uh, well turned out, highly polished $7 million men. You've got a mm. potential serial killer in Jim Harbaugh, but, but like, you just don't have, you just don't have guys who are out there doing entertaining things on a weekly basis in their press conference. Like you get out of a Mike Leach or a Les miles. Right. So that's, that's sort of what I'm missing. Uh, but no, yeah, I, I wanted to bring up the Mike Leach thing as a segue into what a day for, <laughs> His offense against yeah, man. the vaunted SEC defense. I mean, say what you will uh, about the SEC, but people thought that an air raid would never work in the conference. It worked at least one week. It may not work two, <laughs> but it worked at least one week. You know what? Here's the thing. It's going to work a lot of weeks. And I, I really hate the idea that the SEC feels themselves to be so above you know, these gimmick offenses, absolutely not. Someone had a lot of success doing things that hadn't been seen in the SEC, right, at Texas A&M. That, that, that happened because they weren't prepared for it, and they had bad defenses. And this idea that the SEC has these incredibly amazing defenses that can adapt to any situation, no, I'm sorry. They, they have good defenses, but this is not like some, you know, league that's cracked the code you know, of, of all college football offenses and knows how to, like, counter them. It, Mike Leach does weird stuff that you really never see in college football unless, you know, you're playing some obscure team from the Sun Belt. And, yeah, there's going to be a lot of SEC teams that struggle with that. Um, does that mean he's going to win the conference? No, because it's still a Mike Leach team, and they're still going to blow leads and do stupid stuff on a regular basis. But the point is, is that, like, I – I am looking forward to it because I know it's going to catch a lot of teams off guard and it's, you're, you know, it's not necessarily going to be the revolution that basketball and grass and Joe Taylor and all that stuff was, but it'll be fun to watch regardless because they're going to be more upsets like this, particularly in a year like 2020 when a lot of these teams and these players just aren't prepared for anything right now because it's been such a weird lead up to the season well i mean and that's the thing when you look at their schedule you, you know i'm not expecting mississippi state to haul off and, and win the division or anything uh in leach's first year there but but when i'm looking at their schedule you know it's not <laughs> unreasonable to think that they could come out on the right side of the win-loss column here you know yeah. if you look at they've got arkansas this weekend uk the week after that you know those are two winnable ball games Absolutely. i'm not sure what i think about texas a&m yet um, you know, so you've got A and M, and then Alabama. I fully expect Alabama to to do what Alabama does. Um, so so that should be fine. Uh, but then you've got Vandy after Alabama. Certainly, you would expect that to be a winnable ball game. Uh, Auburn, maybe not so much. Georgia, maybe not so much. But then you finish with uh, the the Egg Bowl and Mizzou. You, you know, I mean, there's four or five more wins in that schedule for Mike Leach to be had pretty handily, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's and and like I said, it's it's not going to be necessarily a function of Mississippi State, you know, out 
talenting teams. They're, they're not going to go in. It, it's just it's going to be something unique and weird, and also a function of the SEC not being that great in the bottom third of their conference or the bottom half of their conference. Yeah, for so sure. If you have if you have a Mike Leach coach team that's capable, as we now know, of throwing for six hundred plus yards on a on a squad then they're going to be in some games and that's going to make the SEC fun. And what's I think really going to be interesting and funny to me is that Mike Leach is not going to get along well with his SEC compatriots in general. I, I just don't think that he's the kind of guy that, you know, enjoys the good old boys club and, and gets along at the, uh, you know, at the golf course with, you know, with Nick Saban or whoever, or Jordan, whoever else is there. I just yeah, don't I, see. Getting... I don't see Nick Saban and Mike Leach becoming fast friends. In no, and I think though. he's going to piss off a lot of people in that conference. And I actually enjoy that quite a bit because it's not a function of him being gra- braggadocious or like you know, kind of leaning into all the really crappiest aspects of the SEC. It's more of a function of him just being Mike Leach and and not being able to not be Mike Leach. Yeah. Um, so they're going to have to deal with it. And they, I mean, they upset LSU defending national champs. Uh, I don't know that they're going to do that necessarily to Alabama, but there's going to be a lot of teams that feel that they should have beaten Mississippi state this year that won't. And, and uh, is there a program? I, I shouldn't say it that way. Is there a team that, that has fallen harder after winning a national championship? Not that lo- losing to Mississippi state is like, Oh my gosh, you know, you lost to app state or anything like sure. that. But, but, you know, you just look at what they have lost in a year's time, not just Joey B, uh, but the number of, of starters that they lost. Um, I mean, it's it's a huge letdown for them to come off a national title winning season. And it kind of does lend back some credence to that idea that they were team of destiny or national title or bust last year because that that was when everything lined up for them. Uh, right to make it happen is you come back and they just are not in any way, shape or form the same team they were a year ago. Well, and they also lost Joe Brady, right? He was kind of the architect huge, of all of that, huge. which is en- enormous. Um, and really, I mean, it's, <laughs> I think it's easy sometimes in college football to, I don't know, we, we build these guys up and we, we say these guys have legendary years, but I will also say that I think that sometimes we, I don't know, I don't know that we get enamored with quarterbacks, at least in terms of like their ability to completely change games. Like I, I think college fans and, and what they, we do in college football is like, we look at quarterbacks and we go, wow, this guy's having a great season or wow, this guy's doing a really amazing job. But we tend to look at it more in the sense of like, oh, he's a field general. He's the leader of the team. He's the guy who like gets everybody on the same page. We don't think of them as this mind bending athlete who will just completely like change the outcome of games if that makes sense even guys like that seems to only be reserved for guys like Vince Young right or you know or you know I don't know just the 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 person who can like both run and throw and all that and you know even when Mike Vick was in college I think there was a little bit of that but like or Cam Newton I guess would be an example but those are really rare I think a lot of times when you look at a person like Joe Burrow the average college football fan or the people who are making up stuff about it will say, well, you know, he's just a leader of the team. Joe Burrow had the greatest quarterback season in college football history in 2019. He was making throws at a clip that was never heard of, you know, at at that point in time. And it wasn't just like little out things that he's, you know, five and 10 yard passes that the Bengals are forcing him to do. This guy was bombing it all over the field. And I really, really, really don't think people – understood how great he was until the season was already finished yeah um because i didn't think any team stood a chance against lsu including ohio state because of the way that he was he was doing it and it's weird to me how it felt like it was this low-key you know he's doing great it's amazing well this is the greatest collegiate quarterbacking season in history and no it didn't feel like anybody was talking about it like that um or at least acknowledging until it was over, which they should have because there was no way you were beating LSU in 2019 because of Joe Burrow and because Joe Brady had, you know, had him just firing on all cylinders. Yeah, he was really, he was, he was really, he brought the goods uh, and it was fun to watch. And I, and I know we probably were more in tune to that because of his connections to right. the state of Ohio and, and our university in particular, but it, it was fun to watch. And partly because he's a guy that's easy to root for, you mm-hmm. know, like what, 
what's what's the least likable thing about Joe Burrow? I don't know that he doesn't like Skyline. I guess that's about <laughs> all, that's about the only bad thing I can say about the guy. You know, otherwise he's out there yeah. raising money for the, the the food bank in his county and the, you know doing doing like all kinds of good guy deal things and you know still loves his mom and dad and respects them and does good things and uh, you know it's just all good stuff. And he goes out and yeah has the greatest season in history pretty wild uh i want to make sure this doesn't turn into an sec love fest because the other the other thing that i got to kick out of this weekend speaking of people formerly associated with the ohio state university football program uh how about that oklahoma defense you know uh, (laughs) boomer sooner silo tech uh rolled up into norman and threw the haymaker yeah that's and it wasn't just like they lost you know an embarrassing way i mean they they just completely blew it. You I know? mean, a 17 point fourth quarter, right? You know, yeah. Oklahoma's in the driver's seat, uh, up by what, uh, two touchdowns. Yeah. Well, they, so touchdown, a field goal, maybe no two yeah, touchdowns Kansas by State, two touchdowns. Kansas State rolled up 24 points on them in the second half, like unanswered. Yeah. So I, I mean, I don't know, man. It's, it's weird. Cause like Alex, Alex Grinch, you know, was brought what's, into what, what's he getting paid as the defensive coordinator down at Oklahoma? Like uh, uh, close to two million, million a year, or something like that. Yeah, close to two million dollars, and it's fun. So this is the other thing because I I think about this too a lot. Where everybody has this arms race in college football, you know, you want to get the best coordinators, and and everybody's trying to figure out who's the you know new hot thing. And um, there are so many misses, right? There are yeah. so many misses when it comes to that, as well as hits, like. Tom Herman turned out great for Ohio State while he was at Ohio State. He's been okay at Texas. I would argue he's been more bad than good there. Um, but that was the risk that they took because they like Texas had to pull the trigger on that, or someone else would have. And I, you know, it filters down to even things, you know, at, at the coordinator level because people go, well, if Ohio State's got a good defense and this guy seems like he might have been involved, we have to pull the trigger on that because somebody else. We'll do it if we don't, and they'll they'll get the up on us or something like that. Yeah. Um, and, and those decisions, how how teams sig- single out which coordinators, which coaches are deemed to be the next big thing versus you know someone else, is fascinating to me because Jeff Jeff Halfley, for example, looks like a shirt sure thing, right? Like he he looks like a guy who's going to be able to get things done at Boston College. They're not going to be amazing, right? They're going to lose some games. Yeah, um, it's Boston College. But, it's his first year. Yeah, but look, <laughs> the dude, I mean, what? He's 2-0 and right now. Mm-hmm. He's got a chance that he's got North Carolina next week. That's a statement game because North Carolina has been decent the past few years. Yeah. Um, that's a big deal. And I, I don't remember Halfley really being the kind of guy that had a lot of, you know, adulation outside of Columbus last year. I mean, if, if he had the same kind of juice as – Alex Grinch or, you know, Chris Ash even, right? Yep. Um, I, I think you would have seen more chatter about it. And, and granted, you got the head coaching gig, which is great, but I, it's just it's interesting to me who gets the attention versus who doesn't get the attention. Um, so I don't know. I don't know that anybody is jealous that BC got Jeff Hafford, but they're going to be. and They should be. I mean, you know, the, and because if you look at the ACC, you're, you're right, North Carolina – uh has has done some things certainly they've been recruiting lights out under mac brown relative to their station in the college football hierarchy but but otherwise you look and say for a while it's basically been clemson and a bunch of scrubs right Right. you know when you're counting on wake forest or something like that to upset clemson uh if you're hoping to not see them waltz uh unscathed back into the you know so it feels like that's a conference where a guy like halfway can go and have success yeah yeah, absolutely. You know, they, There's it, a lot it's of not room. like he suddenly airdropped into Arkansas in the SEC West, you know, that where you've right. got a much tougher. So he's a guy you expect to see contending for. Are they? Uh, I don't remember how the ACC divisions are broken out. Are they in the same division as Clemson? I yeah, I have no idea. But I mean, but you expect them to win more games than they lose. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And. You know, it, and Halfley's been recruiting well, also. You know, that's he has been, yes. He early has been. San, early small sample a bit size. Of a pedigree. Yeah. 
So they can draw on that a little bit. And, and I don't know. I'm really rooting for the guy. Obviously, we think he's a dude. And everybody in Love Warriors, you know, awesome guy. People really loved him in Columbus. And I think he'll be successful. Um, it just it, – like I said, it's just really fascinating to me how the narrative around some of these guys develops and perpetuates. And, like, Alex Grinch – will probably continue like he may get fired right he may lose his job at home or something like that he will probably continue getting jobs forever because he's a name and people know who he is mm -hmm. and it's again it blows my mind how that's able to just kind of like keep going and going and going um and in the face of just you know incompetence <laughs> because it happened I, I just i don't know it there are guys like less miles right less miles at kansas right now looks like trash for the past two seasons. That team is going nowhere. They're not improving at all. Les Miles probably should have stuck to his acting career. <laughs> Which, by the way, if you haven't seen Les Miles act, you I'm pretty sure there's some clips on YouTube. You really need to look it up. Because it, not only can he not act, but he can't not act like Les Miles. So it's literally just Les Miles, the coach, popping into a random like movie scene. And you're like, okay, like, <laughs> <laughs> grass is he going to like try to call some plays is he going to do something goofy it's it, it just it's less miles um and kansas stinks they fly out stink and i don't know that they're not going to stink but again he can go anywhere he wants and people are going to pay him money well while we're while we're in the big 12 uh and i, and I already mentioned and, and probably should circle back around on this so you've got oklahoma going down hard to Kansas State. So is is the Big 12 now mathematically eliminated from the college football playoff since uh, perennial playoff contender Oklahoma is theoretically disqualified with their big loss uh, in week one? What do, you, what do you think? Or is that a Virginia Tech-type loss for them <laughs> that it's early enough in an asterisk-laden season that you just say, eh? I mean – I'll answer it the same way. There are two ways you can take on this. And I, I think I'm going to have the same response to both. The first way is like, okay, well, from a purely logistical standpoint, from a pure football standpoint, should that matter? Should that like discount somebody from appearing in the postseason? I would say no to that. Um, because there's still going to be an evolution of teams. Nobody's had time to prepare properly. Everything looks goofy in the first couple of weeks. I'm not saying anybody's necessarily out at this point. Um, and then also just from a sentimental, you know, standpoint from my own fandom, I don't, I don't think anybody should be considered out before the big 10 and some of these other, you know, before the pac 10 or pac 12 and all these guys, um, get back to playing honestly, because I don't know how fair it is to say, well, okay, there's a bunch of other teams that we're going to consider for the playoff, but you're out regardless before they even show us what they're capable of. Because, you, look, how many teams realistically are candidates for the uh, the college football playoff from the Big Ten? Like two, maybe three, if you're I mean, being really generous? You would say, you would say tr typically in any given season, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, like whoever, whoever right. wins the East. Uh, I mean, I guess in theory, if Wisconsin runs the table – and you know looks convincing against ohio state in the big 10 championship game right. then, so then maybe in, two then in theory you know right so in theory two more likely ohio state just has to win out or the big yeah 10. for sure yeah totally yeah ohio state right. wins out there in so my point is, is that if ohio state gets to play fewer games and they're already the presumptive nominee right to use a political term I just I, – I don't know. I, I'm willing to give other schools the benefit of the doubt in the first couple of weeks, especially while Ohio State isn't playing. Now, if they lose again or they continue to look bad and Ohio State runs the table, I'm not saying you should leave Ohio State out by any stretch of the imagination. Ohio State, Buckeyes run the table. They should be in the college football playoff, period. Yeah. But that's their goal, and that's, that's what I think they should be required to do. And if a team starts earlier and they're playing more games, they get a little bit more leeway. You're going to give them um, a mulligan. Yeah, I'll give them a mulligan. Uh, and, and that's, it's again, it's a function of playing more games and having less time to prepare and everything being mm -hmm. as goofy mm -hmm. as it is right now. So I, I'm okay with that. I don't know how you feel about it. I would be okay with that. Yeah, I mean, I, I just find it this season's going to be really interesting. Typically, the playoff conversation 
starting before the conference championships just annoys the hell out of me. Yeah. Um, because most of it, it just feels like is a hot air being passed around um, frequently and that the pundits who have styled themselves as playoff experts are just pretty much high on their own supply. Uh, but, but, so, but, yeah. but in this season in particular, it's going to be really interesting because I think a lot of us feel like the playoff committee, their only guiding principle is that the, the rules only served as justification, not as actual guidance. Right. So the thing in the there that says, Oh, they should be a conference champion. Um, mm-hmm. They'll follow that except when they don't feel like the conference champion thing matters as much because they're right. like, well, you know, a second sec team or whomever it happens to be, you know, we all probably agree. Ohio state wins out they're in uh, an undefeated pac 12 champion though. You know, I, I don't, I don't this season, especially, uh, are they going to play football? Or are they not going to play football? When are they starting? <laughs> or are they not starting? You know, they, they've managed to maybe even look dumber than the big 10, which took some doing. Uh, so I, I just am going to find this really interesting to see how people evaluate if Oklahoma wins out. Uh, if, well, of course, right now you've got two other big 12 teams, obviously who are still undefeated. I was kind of being yeah. cheeky when I said, are they mathematically eliminated since Oklahoma's out, but uh, Texas two and O we talked about Texas, Tom Herman earlier, Oklahoma State 2 and 0, you know, those are both teams currently ranked that uh, you know, could show up um, you know, as playoff contenders. Although the thing with Texas you let Texas Tech hang 56 on you, you know. Yeah, I mean, you won by a touchdown, that's great, but you let Texas Tech hang 56 on you. Do you think that surprises anybody though when they're watching, you know, the Big 12? Like do you Well, think- I mean, that's I mean, that's been our 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 knock, I say our as in like just Ohio State Big 10 type fans in general. Right. That's been the knock on the Big 12 all these years is that they don't play any defense in the Big 12. Uh and but I guess what I'm saying look, is do you think people think about that? Do you think the college football playoff committee looks at that and goes, well, they got to start playing some defense or we're not going to let them on? Or do they go, okay, well, if they win all their games, it doesn't matter how many points they give up. They still won. Let's put them in anyway. I, you know, I think it depends on who you're comparing them against, right? Like if you were, for whatever reason, choosing between – let's I'm, I'm just going to make up stuff here, not real. But if you're choosing between uh, an undefeated Texas team that regularly – gave up 50 plus points mm-hmm. a game versus let's say an undefeated Oregon um, who held opponents to under two touchdowns, three touchdowns, four touchdowns. I mean, I got to yeah. think you're going to, th- I, I got to think you're going to look and be like, Hmm. <laughs> well, you definitely do that. But what if it's, what if it's a one loss Oregon team, right? right? Versus a Texas team. That's then it, under- then, then, it, then, it, gets, then it gets a little squiggly because it's who was the loss to over the circumstances right. and so on and so forth, which normally that annoys me, but, but it, it, it probably is a what, what depends. I just, yeah, and this is a weird season and we're week one and we're so devoid of Ohio state football things to talk about that. I just am, I'm, as I look at some of these other scoreboards, uh, these other conferences, it's like, well, <laughs> everybody's just trying to do you know it's 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 it really does feel like everybody just kind of said okay put on the pads guys let's <laughs> i know and, we don't really know what we're doing right now yeah we're, we don't have a lot of time but let's just put them on let's see what happens um and i think as i said i think teams that have a lot of institutional um prep and, and know how to keep things going year round like ohio state and alabama i think they'll be fine I don't it's huge yeah it's huge yeah. You don't have to worry about Ohio State coming in unprepared. That That and, is not something I would worry about. And, and, you know, I read an interesting piece. I think it's The Athletic. Um, Matt Brown with The Athletic had a uh, has a, a weekly column. I think he calls it Decoding the Polls or something along those lines. And he was looking at the either the coach or the AP poll. I, I didn't really remember the, the circumstances. But, but he described it as, you know, you kind of have this top tier where it's Ohio State, Alabama, and Clemson. Mm-hmm. And and then there's everybody else after that, you know. So you you feel pretty, and that's kind of the way I look at what you're describing there with the, these the, the programs that have the most professional, what I'll just call operations. Yeah, you you would have no qualms about Ohio State getting ready to take the field at you know any given point in time. Um, you, you you know give them a date and they'll be prepared. You know, and, right. and same thing with Alabama, you know, the process, the process, the process, give Nick Saban a date, they'll be prepared and ready to play. Uh, and as much as I hate, you know, snake oil salesman, Dabo Swinney, <laughs> give the devil his due, same deal. You give him a date, they're going to be prepared. Yeah. Uh, and that's, 
that's the thing. Like the hardest thing to do in this kind of truncated season and something where it's a bunch of false starts and nobody really, it really is keeping people on track and motivated. And that's where guys like Marathi and, and you know, whatnot kind of come into play. Um, not everybody has that. And you see a lot of dumb stuff in these games, which like, you know, I'll watch it. I'm not, it's not like I'm not watching college football, but there's definitely a point to which I'm like, you know, this, this game may not be worth my time. You know, there's, there's some really fun, exciting games like the Texas tech game, Texas, like that's, that's entertaining. And obviously Mississippi state, but it's entertaining because of the lack of preparation, because you can see the seams, right. And these programs that normally don't show them. Um, I think you'll see that kind of go away and it'll be less a big deal as they, you know, just stay in conference. But um, for right now, I think it's pretty fun to watch. I messaged the guys Saturday night. Uh, you probably saw it. But I said, okay, I'm watching this Miami Florida state game. Is, is Miami back or <laughs> is Florida state just that bad <laughs> or is it a little of both? And the consensus yeah. seemed to be, it's probably a little of both. Yeah. I think it's probably a little of both. Although I do tend to lean towards, um, Miami never being back <laughs> because they're not they never are and Florida State is always worse than we think that they are oh, because that's just so bad that's their mo um, how how have you allowed I just I marvel because I think we all like to think that because Ohio State has navigated as many coaching transitions since St. Woody the first that Ohio State will always just be Ohio State sure know? And, and so then I look at the struggles of some of these other name brand programs uh, to maintain their relevance, to maintain just any semblance of not being a crappy football team. Uh, for all the grief we give that school up north, I mean, they, they haven't at least completely imploded to like a Florida State level of implosion. Yeah, they've gotten close, but yeah, but 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 they've come back from at least you know total right rock mediocrity and irrelevance. Uh, you you might be in that nine win Earl period of of your life, and that's fine. But or eight win Earl, whatever our, whatever the line is. Uh, but but I'm like Florida State, like you, you're one of those teams, right? That you should be up there with, and we'd said this about USC for a long time too. And mm -hmm. uh, th that's another one. Those are, those are two programs. Like you have all of the intangibles that a program should have. You have great brand, great locations, you know, great, great visibility. Uh, you should, you know, great um, ability to recruit, you know, and, and particularly in Florida with the number of players that are there, right? Literally. Right Tallahassee is also pretty well situated, you know, for not just Florida, but you know, all large yes. swaths of the South to recruit from. Um, but yeah, they're not doing it. And it, it's just a lot of it goes to show how much and how important having good administration is and having good support from your AD and all that stuff. I mean, it, there's a lot more that goes into it, but a lot of it's just hiring and, and knowing, you know, and that's what I mean. That that's again, why I find this so fascinating. Like who, who determines who is the hot new thing in coaching? Where, what do they see in specific coaches to say, we need them here because I see so many times where it just, it doesn't work out and it doesn't translate. And I, there, it has to be more than just a crapshoot, right? Um, and Florida State has just done a terrible job. Um, you know, the Jimbo, like, you know, you have a couple years and then it just kind of blows up in your face. Um, it's just fascinating to me, the yeah. whole process of that. I, I don't know that, I'm not saying I would do any better. I just don't, I have no idea what the consideration is. I don't know what the criteria is when you're trying to figure out who this, you know, next big thing is going to be in coaching. Mm -hmm. um, Cause it seems so random, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. It's, it's interesting. The games will be continuing to played. They'll be continuing to be played without Ohio state for at least the next several weeks. Wah, wah, but, wah. but, but Ohio state is, has a schedule and will play those games uh, in roughly a month. So we'll be excited when that happens. Um, until then we'll, you know, continue to kind of follow Justin Fields vegan, uh, journey. So that'd be fun. Uh, that's something <laughs> we can talk about. I don't want to, I don't uh, want to just totally dog on, uh, on QB number one uh -huh. and, and admitting this as a guy who grew, grew up raising beef cattle and, sure. and, 
and work in agriculture. So, you know, interest of full disclosure, I do derive some portion of our family's household economy from the beef industry. Mm-hmm. But when I read that news, I'm like, why, Justin, why? <laughs> well, why? it's because he's a big Cam Newton fan and Cam is also vegan. Um, is he? I suppose I'd, I suppose I had missed that. And, yeah. and, you know, most of my normal, like I think as an average person, going vegan's a, a, a big mistake for a variety of reasons but the but the most important one is probably that i don't know if the average person uh does a good enough job of of balancing the various nutrients and and i don't just mean the macros you know protein sure. and obviously protein's a big concern but you know there are a variety of other things we always used to you know say when i was first coming up and doing um, like youth speaking contest, you know, one of the great things about beef is is uh, it's full of zip, zinc, iron, and protein. Zinc and iron mm-hmm. are very important for a variety of reasons, and yada yada yada. Like you've got to really work at it, and and then when you come back to protein, um, it, you know, getting a complete protein uh, is is a challenge outside of animal derived proteins. When you're consuming right. animal derived proteins, they're complete proteins, uh, and, and so anyway setting that aside, but, but you don't worry about that as much with a Cam Newton or a Justin Fields because they have professional nutritionists at their beck and call. Right. And you don't have any qualms that all of a sudden Justin Fields is going to show up, you know, anemic and with a weenie <laughs> arm because he's not. You ever watch Futurama? Right. Or, yeah. <laughs> no. Where they try, where they try to make the lion like on a vegan diet and it's like <laughs> hail and its hair's falling out and it's just wheezy. <laughs> yeah. I don't think uh, you got to worry about that with Justin Fields. I think he'll be fine. And and um, for the and for the vegan listeners out there, let let me just say this this way. Um, I, I respect your your right to to choose uh, a diet that suits your feelings. And if you have where I the only time I ever get frustrated with um, people for their dietary choices is one. Uh, if you don't have a reason for it, like if the only reason that you're doing it is because some um, girl you dated in bio you know freshman year got you into it like i <laughs> what if she's really hot though i mean come on like, you she's really do, cute. I guess. But, but i'm just like if you, you know you need to have a reason so when somebody says to me like i'm vegan because and then they have a cogent reason hey you know what that's great go yeah. for it same same deal i mean there are a bunch of bunk crap diets out there you know you, you could be sure. talking the fat of the week whether it's low carb or keto or gluten-free or whatever most of them are probably crap um, for one reason or the other. But, but if, if you, if you have a reason for it, um, it's some cogent argument. I'm good with it. It's great. You know, there's enough, there's enough. What, but so the other thing that bugs me is if you misrepresent uh, my dietary choice, you know, so oh, if, sure, yeah. if you go into the, 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 the meat is murder and here are the hundred reasons why the beef industry is killing the planet and blah, 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 blah. And most of that, that you see on the internet is, is not backed up by actual data. It's, it's half truths and bad statistics. Um, those are the only two things that grind my gears, probably neither of which are applicable in this case. And yeah, I don't think, I mean, here's the thing. I, I think it's Justin Fields can do whatever he wants. He can do whatever he wants. It makes him feel, you know, if it's like, okay, this is something I want to do to feel better. And you know, I just, I want to get lighter, whatever, go for it. As long as he's staying healthy, man, give it a shot. Do his thing. Um, I don't vegan things interesting. I don't think I could ever do that. I think that would be, I think, like you said, I think it requires a lot of like time and foresight, but I do respect people. You know, when people say that they're doing it because of the moral objection, I, I don't know. I, I, I like it when people put their money where their mouth is. Yes. And that's definitely, that's, ex- that's exactly what I'm saying. Right. If you know, you, and, if, if and that's you, what I'm saying. That's, that's a sign that somebody thought it through and they yep. are willing to put in the effort. I respect that. that I think that's, that's all I ever ask is if you've yeah. got a cogent argument for it, and the moral objection, by the way, like I'm willing as a beef, as a former beef producer myself, I'm willing to accept I have some moral or ethical um, concerns about this. If that's your, yeah. if that's your justification, if you, um, you know, I had a friend in high school that was just really, she wasn't full blown vegan, but, but she was, was what I would say questioning mm-hmm. of the ethics of, um, e- you know, eating meat. And, and so part of it is I go back to my, um, you know, my philosophical worldview, you know, some of it's, uh, my, my religious beliefs or whatever, but I, um, I think animals serve a role in our society and, and that a noble, useful, good purpose for food animals is to create food and sustain life on our planet. Like, I think that's, 
you know, you can have that relationship with those animals. They should still be treated humanely, have, um, have a, a humane and um, uh, dignified end of life. You know, there's, yeah. there's no room for mistreatment of animals or for um, the, the end of life experience to be, you know, brutal. It's all those things need to be done well. And by and large, the industry has spent most of my life working on that and continuing to meet people where they are on that. But, um, but if you, if you still come back and say, Hey, I get all that and it still bugs me, you know what? I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm totally and, okay with that. And it's just, like I said, it's, it's just an interesting thing. And <laughs> I don't know, part, part of me just kind of really loves it because it's causing like, you know, the, the quarterback, the starting quarterback for Ohio state, you know, big man on campus comes off an amazing season, clearly an incredible talent. And then he's like, I'm vegan. And everybody's like, oh, crap. What do I do with this information? <laughs> I just, I love the cognitive dissonance where people are like, well, vegans are just like weak and sickly people. And this is just a feel. Like, I just, I like the, I like the difficulty of, of trying to square those two things. Uh, I mean, the, the only other thing that I'll, I'll throw out there is just food for thought. I think that, I think where, and this doesn't just pertain to vegans. I think it's any kind of celebrity fueled diet mm -hmm. um when when you're comparing your dietary choices as an individual uh, an average human uh circling the the, the sun yeah, trying, uh, trying to live your life don't don't compare yourself to tom brady and cam newton and yes correct like the resources that they have at their disposal uh are far different you know tom brady has got uh, you know, a full-time vegan chef on his staff, probably preparing yes, his, you know, special meals. So he's, he's going to be fine. Um, you know, middle-aged father of, of, of one trying to make it work in COVID-19. Like you may not be, <laughs> you may not be prepared to fuel right. your body adequately on lentils and berries. Okay. My friend. So go ahead and uh, do what <laughs> I do know my life. That's all I've been eating. <laughs> Do what I did Sunday night and throw That's a couple I... of strip steaks on the grill and <laughs> eat up. Yeah. I, I mean, it's like I said, it's just, a, it's an interesting story. Um, I, I think, you know, people can kind of go for it. I, I, they can do, people can do whatever they want. I just think I agree with you. Do the research, make sure that if you're going to go that route, you know, stay safe, stay healthy. Um, and don't, don't, here's the other thing. Don't beat yourself up if it's something that you may not be able to adhere to. It's okay. If you want to be a vegetarian, maybe you can't do it every day, right? Maybe it's something you can only do a couple days a week. And then maybe you can like work on something, but don't, you know, I just live your life, be happy, be safe. That's really, that's really how I feel about that kind of stuff. Um, and I hope Justin Fields is safe and happy and healthy, frankly, because we, we need him to be upright for all. Yeah, the healthy part is the big concern. So stay yeah. healthy. Yes, please. I don't care if he's not. I don't care if he's happy or not. I, you can be <laughs> miserable. But if we get the if we get the championship, that's all I care. <laughs> um, so anyway, that's uh, that's kind of an overview of, of football and how things are going and, and college sports and whatnot. Uh, we do want to remind you that the Dubcast is sponsored by the Dry Goods Store at 11warriors.com, drygoods.11warriors.com. Shirts, hats, stickers, all kinds of great stuff. Masks. Um, <laughs> as And honestly, frankly, I, I think that if you have not gotten a mask, uh, now would be a good time to st stock up because I think it's going to be more important than ever as we get closer to football season to make sure that you're wearing those uh, and you know thinking about the overall health of your communities. Um, so that's... Uh, the first part of it. Let's get into Ask Us Anything, um, which you can do by sending us questions to dubcast, D-U-B-C-A-S-T, uh, at 11warriors.com. And we've got, oh, we've got so many excellent questions this week. And, and I, I cannot emphasize enough how happy I am um, that you have been continuing to sending these in because they're great. So uh, this one here is uh, from uh, uh, Blake. I guess B I A K E Blake. I don't know. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> Blake asks, um, uh, he says, I know I like to give you a hard time on Twitter here and there. So I hope you'll still honor my questions as I am a hardcore listener dubcast. Oh, you wait. are more than welcome to give me a hard time on Twitter. Uh, I, I have no problem with that whatsoever. I, I deserve all of the hard times that I get, uh, from <laughs> all the, Anybody wants to give me the business on Twitter, you are certainly welcome to because I, I've earned it more. 
Um, so he asks, uh, do Andy and Johnny, one, think that we make it to the end of the season, giving the Big Ten's draconian measures with a 21-day protocol, despite turning down government aid, and accepted 13-day protocol on other leagues? Uh, two, if we do, should we be betting our mortgages slash private lines of credit on OSU versus Michigan spread 100, <laughs> negative 100? I am seriously considering this. Uh, and then third, does Johnny want to get a beer and talk about how al- apple picking is objectively bad? <laughs> Buy your apples at the store. <laughs> all right let's address the first two do you think we get to the end of the season yes why i agree by the way but i Uh, i i think you know number one the whole rapid test thing is a big deal um i I just i think they will if it's not going to be the bubble uh it's going to be the next thing i mean the very next thing you know you remember when michigan fans had their knickers all in a twist because justin fields was taking online classes. Hey, guess what, friends? <laughs> yeah. He's still taking online classes, okay? Yes, as uh, is everyone else. Yeah. So, I, I mean, the biggest, the biggest challenge, not just to Ohio State, but to, to every college football program, is uh, keeping your players off of whatever your local equivalent of high street is uh, <laughs> on, 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 you know, random uh, off nights. Like, so, you know, keep, keep, keep that situation in check um you know making sure that they're uh not actively searching out the comfort of the opposite sex uh and and thus bringing covid into the bubble like if you can navigate those challenges hey i I feel good about the protocols right like everything the program itself can control will be controlled so the, the flip side of that too you know my comment about keeping them off high street so to speak tongue in cheek uh, but but in seri- all seriousness, though, I think I think players at Ohio State know what's at stake. I think yeah, I think Ohio State players. I'm not worried about Ohio State players. I think they're they're taking it as seriously as they possibly yes. can. I mean, it, it's yes. as professional an organization as you're going to see in college sports. I think that it, they're going to get to the end of the season, not necessarily because you know things won't change or they'll definitely get better or anything like that. I just think that once you set something like this in motion and you already have games played and particularly if they play that first weekend and it's a success and they don't have to, you know, cancel anything or delay anything. If they get to that point, I just feel like the combined inertia from that is going to make it impossible to say no. And they'll go into a bubble or they'll just like pick Indianapolis and then have it at the field. You know what I mean? Like they'll do something to make sure these games happen. Uh, simply because people will really, really, really want it at that point. I don't think you can, like, put that, you know, put the cracker back in the box. You know what I mean? Like, you can't yeah. – You can't. once you've spilled all that stuff on the floor, it's just – it's it's spilled. So, um, I don't know. I There may be reasons to cancel games or delay games in the future, uh, but the idea that they won't get to the end of the season, I would be surprised by that. Um, I would not bet the house on Michigan versus OSU because you have no idea what's going to happen at that point. You don't know who's going to be injured or sick or out or any of that stuff. Uh, I think Ohio State definitely has a huge advantage over a team that doesn't have a quarterback, essentially. But um, I, I, I'd take the opposite. Weird things that happen. Bet the house. Okay. Bet the house. If they make it through the season, you betcha. It is. It is going to be – uh, a beatdown of biblical proportions in that game. I know we always everybody say everybody gets in there happy and healthy. It it, it will be. Uh, um, yeah, that's what I'm saying. If they make it to the end of the season, Justin Fields is upright and mobile. You betcha. I I would have no qualms whatsoever uh, about putting putting a stack down on on that game because uh, remember it has not been that long ago that that our our news feeds were all a Twitter with leaked uh, phone calls, conversations of Ryan Day saying we were going to beat the brakes off him yeah. uh, after Harbaugh got a little snarky with him on a Big Ten conference call or whatever the, whatever, <laughs> sure. what, what, whatever the urban legend will, will grow to be. You know? Yeah, uh, yeah I, I, think it'll be, I think it'll be a big one. Yeah, well, I mean, I hope it is. And, and by the way, apple picking is objectively great. It, it's awesome. You know why apple picking is great? Because you can go out to apple picking and, and just eat apples. And you can just pick them off of the tree, and you can have one bite of one, and then just throw it on the ground and say, no, this is disgusting. And then do it again with, like, 20 more. I eat probably five, between, like, five and seven apples every time I go apple picking because I can't stop myself. And it's fun as hell. You just It's like you're this decadent. I don't know, Roman kind of like, like 
Priator or something where you're like sitting on a, on a lounge. You know what I'm talking about? Where you're like yes. lounging on a couch and people are just feeding uh, great. fruit into your mouth as you just sit there and just like, you know, revel in your own crapulence. I just like, that's how I feel when I go apple picking. I'm just like, I can eat as many apples as I want. And then I just throw them on the ground if I don't like them. And I'm like, it's, it's not maybe the most mature way to act, but I'm allowed to. Hmm. Because that's the point of apple picking. <laughs> People think it's like some kind of like cute little thing. Like, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm out there trying to be Caligula with apples, right? That's all I'm saying. <laughs> um, all right. So this next question is from Chalk. And uh, this, we had the weird uh, coincidence with the Kings Island. I think it was the Kings Island question, right? Versus um, Cedar, Cedar Point. Point. Yeah. Yeah. So apparently that was just a weird, crazy cosmic coincidence. I'm still not convinced, by the way, Chalk. I, I think you're lying. But regardless, uh <laughs> He has another question this week, which is, uh, who is our favorite Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle? Um, he says Leonardo, and hmm. he's the leader. And I, I, I like Leonardo. That's a good choice. Yeah. Um, he says the worst choice would be um, Raphael, which is also true. Um, hmm. Brings nothing to the group. Hmm. Uh, but, Andy, I want to ask you, who is your favorite Teenage Mutant Ninja Yeah, Turtle? I mean, it's probably Michelangelo. Of course it's Michelangelo. Yeah. Michelangelo is the best. There's no debate. It's, yeah, it's, I, I'm like, I realize rude that crew, dude. 97% of, of uh, children who grew up when we did would probably say that. Oh, stop. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. Okay, BS. All right, St. Louis Wilkie asked the same. I just, I'm like scrolling through these, right, as we go through it. Ask the same question. Get out of here. Quit coordinating. He's this got an alt. He's got an alt. You cannot look. Burner account. Look, here's the deal. Here's the deal. <laughs> I respect a good con. Okay. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> hating it. <laughs> I respect the hustle, but you got, you got to slow roll this thing. You've got to make me lose my sanity slowly over the course of multiple weeks. If you, you do this back to back, I'm going to know there's some kind of like, you know, hook here. I'm not funny. stupid. I'm stupid, but I'm not that stupid. So as, 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 as my dad used to say, I may have been born at night, but it wasn't last night. That's right. That's right. It was the night before last night. So my point is, but again, but you know, okay. So St. Louis, where he wants to know the same thing. He says that he is going to go with Raphael. Of course. Stop. Oh my God. Yeah. It's not uh, Raphael. But by the way, I feel bad. I feel bad for St. Louis Wookie because he had to, he had to stake out the position. That's obviously the worst one. Uh, because Raphael sucks, and Michelangelo is by far the best. It's not yeah. even close. Yeah, it's pretty clear. Um, this is <laughs> this is from Matt. Uh, by the way, thank you guys for doing that, recording it. But I still, again, there are ways to make me lose my sanity. You, you, you found <laughs> one of those ways. You just, yeah. you just hit the gas a little too hard. Um, so this one's from Matt. Uh, Matt wants to know, uh, it's another country question, George Strait or Garth Brooks? George Strait, any day of the week and twice well, on I Sunday. I know you would say that. In fact, my friend, I have a whole playlist on ye old iPhone, and the stunning Mrs. Vance could confirm. We, we had to drive to St. Paul, Minnesota for a dog show uh, here a couple weeks back. Socially distanced entirely outdoors. Didn't get that disclaimer out there. But we were in the car for, what, 12 hours, 11 hours between <laughs> Columbus, Ohio and Minneapolis. That's a lot of George Paul, Strait. Uh, straight out of the box. The greatest box set ever released in the history of music. Uh, I also do have Garth Brooks's box set. Uh, and so no shortage of love in my heart for Garth Brooks. The, the dude um, is maybe the greatest pure entertainer uh, in country music history. He, oh, he's he, super high up there, yeah. Oh, he's fantastic. Maybe in First, music, like he's really, I, honest to God, like people don't necessarily make these comparisons because it's hard and, and, you know, really country music doesn't have the same cultural impact. But as far as like pure entertainers go and like impact of like concerts and people going, like he's up there with like the, the Michael Jacksons and the Madonnas of the world. When you're I mean, talking about you're, you're, you are and, not, you are not at all out of the realm of, of fair comparisons there for sure. He, he is the cultural equivalent in country music of, of those kind of artists. Yeah. Uh, yeah without question. Uh, but first major concert I ever went to Riverfront Coliseum, Garth Brooks, oh, okay. It, this would have been, God, I was, I don't know, nine, 10 years old, something like that. I have to go back and think about it. I mean, it's late 80s, early 90s, like when he first came up. But he plays like seven nights. You know, it's one of those things where they originally it was a three-day show, and they sell out the first three nights in like 30 seconds. You know, this is back when you had to like go to a Kroger to get tickets through Ticketmaster or call them on the phone or whatever, you know, stand in line at the, the venue. You know, this was pre-internet. So they ended up being does seven nights 
in Cincinnati. And mm-hmm. I think we got there on like night three. I'm sitting three inches from the roof of Riverfront Coliseum. <laughs> That's you know, well, I mean, like you, you, you needed your opera glasses to be able to watch this show. Best concert I went to for a long time. The dude all is right. just, he is electric on the stage. And all that said, the number of hit singles that George Strait rolled out in his career. I mean, George Strait uh, is the king of country music. And, you know, the stunning Mrs. Vance looked at me and she's like, are all his songs basically about the same thing? And <laughs> yeah, oh, I wouldn't go that far, but he definitely, there's something to be said for a guy who knows what works for him, his voice, his style, and could continue to crank out number one hit singles over a three decade period of time. You know, Garth Brooks came in hot and heavy and, and, you know, and respect to him for doing this. He went out on top because he said, I need to spend time with my kids and came back a decade later and could still sell out Vegas for how many ever shows he did, oh, sure, and then, yeah. you know, just decided, Hey, you know what? I've kind of bored. Let's go on tour again and sells out how many ever venues, you know, that's pretty incredible too. Cause he hadn't put out any new music. I mean, real, you know, hadn't cut, uh, an LP hadn't cut an album, hadn't released a single in a decade or more and came back and did it. But, but George Strait's string of sustained success, I will stand for George Strait from now until the end of time and was singing along to some George Strait songs in the garage gym this afternoon. Nice. All right. Well, that's, that is definitely, I mean, that's, that's, certainly a, a pretty strong endorsement for it was a full-throated uh, defense of my guy there right, yeah. right? <laughs> and look i i like garth brooks but i can't deny the impact george Strait's had and i you know i'm not a huge country guy but when i was a kid i, I listened to more of it just because of who i was around um and george Strait was a favorite of uh um my family members and my grandpa and grandma and all them um what about shadaisy <laughs> speaking of something totally daisy I don't even know how to pronounce it. Yeah, Shadaisy. Yeah, that's right. I mean, Shadaisy. they had some songs. They were uh-huh. good. Like, I don't know. I'm just going through a list. They're one or I'm two remembering singles. some of these like god awful. Some of these really bad. I'm trying to remember what their big single was. Uh, uh, little goodbyes. Yeah, little goodbyes. Oh, okay. Singles. I remember that. Um, what about? Uh, oh my god, I'm just looking at some of these names. And I, and it, they're like. Mary Chapin Carpenter actually. Mary wow. Chapin Carpenter is one of my favorites. Yeah, she's she, fantastic. She's not. I mean, she doesn't have nearly the kind of oh uh, no no influence, but she was one of my dad's favorites actually. Yeah, she was really good. Yeah, and I I grew to actually really enjoy Mary Chapin Carpenter. George Strait has sold more than 100 million records worldwide. Uh, 13 multi platinum, 33 platinum, 38 gold albums. Your country was six times platinum. The straight out of the box uh, box set I referred to sold two million copies, eight eight times platinum due to being a box set with four CDs, according to the Recording Industry Association of America. He's the twelfth best selling album recording artist in the history of the United States. It's not too bad. Um, not too bad. Forty four number one hit singles. <laughs> so many. That's hilarious. Oh, I'm sorry. Wait a minute. I I, I read that wrong. In 2009, he broke Conway Twitty's record for the most number one hits on the Billboard Hot Country Song Chart when his 44th number one hit single surpassed um, Twitty, Conway Twitty's. C- counting all music charts, so not just the hot country, George Strait has, has amassed a total of 60 number one hits. That's hilarious. More number one songs than any other artist in any genre of music. Yeah, that's that's hilarious. That's really funny to me. Yeah, um, He's amazing. Yeah, you know... My my tastes tend towards more of like, especially when I was younger, like like rock country almost. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Like yeah. Ozark Mountain Daredevils and Blackfoot, yeah, and Almond Brothers, which I you know it's more southern rock than like country rock. Or yeah, but but it's one of those things like we you you were saying a minute ago about country not having the same kind of cultural or or kind of pop crossover thing. But there have been there have been a number of times throughout history. Think of like. Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton was crossover. Oh, sure. Uh, Ken, yeah. Kenny Rogers, you know, Kenny Rogers, uh, who passed this year, and it was it, another one of my absolute favorites. Saw Kenny Rogers in concert probably three times. Um, nice. Twi- twice at the Ohio State Fair and once in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Like, we actually went to Atlantic City to watch 
Kenny Rogers in concert. Like that mm-hmm. was the reason for going. <laughs> and, and I don't think I've ever been to Atlantic city since come to think of it. It was the same exact concert with the same jokes. All oh, three, sure. Yeah. All three times, you know, like he does this bit. Um, I say does rest his soul. He did this bit uh, where, you know, he, he makes this joke because women love Kenny Rogers, right? Between yeah. the, the silver mane. Which and is that, weird like, to me, frankly. Oh like, no, he's Lionel Richie's white cousin. I mean, it's yeah, like, yeah, but that's, that's also weird to me. <laughs> so, oh, it's, I mean, there, I mean, there's they're, a lot of, weird you, you could, you could take a, a group of songs and shake them up and be like, was it Lionel Richie or was it Kenny Rogers? Was it Lionel Richie or was it Kenny Rogers? Cause they, their voice was that, that same kind of like throw your undershorts on the stage kind of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, lady killer voice. So anyway, Kenny Rogers does this bit where he's like, I realize, you know, men in the audience, you didn't really come here because you wanted to be here. You're here because your wife or girlfriend uh, made you come. Right. And he's like, let me guess, there's somebody in the front row. And sure enough, you know, guy raises his hand. He's in the front row. He says he doesn't even know any of Kenny Rogers songs. And Kenny Rogers says, tell you what, I have this wad of $5 bills here. And I don't know if every time uh, you play you hear one of my songs that, you know, I'm going to do this medley of songs. Every time you hit one of my, hear one of my songs, I'm going to throw you, and of course you know kenny starts this medley of like several of his greatest hits and this just he's just throwing five dollar bills at this guy in the front <laughs> row you know for like a 20 minute medley and it's it's hilarious because you realize then that you, you of course you know all of these great kenny rogers songs but but anyway dolly parton huge crossover success you know johnny cash right i mean johnny cash uh was a rock and roll guy early on and so there's yeah. there was a lot of so when you talk about southern rock and then kind of that late 80s early 90s before country became kind of bro country or pop country um, taylor swift hey you know taylor swift's first successes were as a country music artist right nobody's confusing her for a country music artist today but i mean her first number one hit single was was called tim mcgraw and it's singing about you know lo- love lost and how they listened to tim mcgraw together you know that tim mcgraw song or whatever it was and how yeah it goes well, I mean, like I said, it, it all goes back to Chattahoochee. So that was such a great song. I loved Alan Jackson. <laughs> that's a, that's the only song you need in the nineties. That was the second or third cassette tape I ever bought. My first cassette tape I ever bought was Tim McGraw, Indian Outlaw. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I, I got a Walkman like for Easter or something like that. I mean, it oh wasn't Christmas. It was like, I want to say it was Easter. Um, Cause I remember like tooling around at grandpa and grandma's house listening to my walk but like walking around outside you know goofing <laughs> off because i was tired of the adults in the house or whatever but right yeah i got my walkman in an easter basket or something and fantastic i, I want to say my first two cassettes i remember tim mcgraw indian outlaw and the other one and i don't know why i bought this um was alvin and the chipmunks sing country music oh my god and so they took country music songs and made them like you know comedy bit songs so for example uh, they had the Chipettes. You remember, so you had Alvin Simon and Theodore, and then you had the Chipettes. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The female Chipmunks, right? Yes. So um, whoever Alvin's counterpart Chipette was, I, I really don't remember their names. That's terrible. Uh, but she's singing Tammy Wynette's Stand By Your Man. Mm-hmm. And so they- Oh, I know what you're talking about. Hilarious I, I uh, yes. you know, lyrics where she's like, you know, uh, give him to our, something warm to cling to, like an old hot water bottle. You know, like yeah. there's just like fun little lyrics. Uh, they did, I want to say Simon, Simon, of course, you know, for fans who are not fans of the chipmunks who remember he was kind of the nerdy, um, yes. uh, studious with the glasses yep. means he's a nerd. Yep. So Simon did, uh, Aaron Tippins, there ain't nothing wrong with the radio. Great, oh great God. country music song of that era. And of course, Simon decided that we needed to make the song grammatically correct. Yes. So there isn't anything wrong with the radio. He goes through the whole song is correcting the grammatical errors in the Aaron Tippin song. It was, it was hilarious. He said that was like my second cassette tip. And then I think third was uh, Alan Jackson. What I can't remember if the name of the album was Chattahoochee, but the, the it's album, probably just called Chattahoochee. It probably song was. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we'll, I'll get out of here on this. My, the tapes that I had when I was a kid um, were, the cool running soundtrack nice fantastic by the way honest to god a great soundtrack a lot of really there's a lot of a lot of hits on that uh i had i didn't have it but i listened to mary chip carpenter a lot uh because my dad had a tape of hers so good i don't know why i thought that was good but i listened to it it was great great songs 
great songs, but you know, for like an eight-year-old, maybe not what's typically up their alley. But what I also say, and this is the one that I treasured the most, and I am eternally grateful, is actually available in its entirety on YouTube for listening. Uh, is the "Where in the World Is Carmen Sandiego" album uh, with Rockapella? Oh, I love Rockapella. Yeah, and so you can I, I can listen to all of the songs from my youth on YouTube from this "Where in the World Is Carmen Sandiego" cassette so tape. Good. And it, oh my god, it was Where fantastic. Oh, and there was also uh, the food Chicago. album from uh, from Weird Al was also another tape. <laughs> yeah. I definitely listened to that until it was just completely worn out. So. Yeah, I'm curious. I want to know if, if this is a good ask us anything thing, maybe for our uh, listeners. But if you have a uh, a tape, an obscure tape from the early '90s or from your youth, whenever that may be, hit us in the uh, comments. I, w- I want to know what it is. I want to know what you're listening to. I want to know what weird crap. You're, like, if you got a Doctor Demento tape or something, I want to I want to hear about it because I always like looking up weird crap on the uh, on the internet. Chattahoochee was, by the way, on the A Lot About Living and A Little About Love. Album. Okay, so just take a lyric from the song. That's just good. take a lyric. Yeah, lazy. Um, all right, so that's the dubcast for this week. Uh, please tune in next week and we'll have more fun and frivolity. But until then, I'm Johnny. I'm Andy. And we'll see you then.